Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. So, we've titled this 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 morning uh, series of lessons, The Unstoppable Force of Vision and Visionaries. And this is The Unstoppable Force of Vision and Visionaries, 20 Realities for Vision and Visionaries, Part 3. So we're going to wrap it up. We, we've gone through 10 of them. I'm going to hit the other 10. We've been using Acts 26.1 as our text. How many of you got something out of these morning meetings or God gave you an idea of something to do going forward? Good. Well, I like the enthusiasm. Acts 26.1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you, must speak in your, you may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. I'm fortunate, King Agrippa, that you're the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations. made by the Jewish leaders. There were two ladies with K95 masks on like this. It was me and them too. And then I, I sneezed and their eyebrows were important. Can anyone suddenly not smell or taste anything? They hit the button for, for the next floor like that. But that has nothing to do with vision. I used to believe that I had to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem authorized by the leading priests. I caused many believers there to be sent to prison and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to... I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. Verse 13, this is Acts 26, 13. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven... Brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Verse 19, Acts 26, 19. So Paul, towards the end of his life, said, And so, King Agrippa, I have been faithful to the heavenly vision. Everybody say, faithful to the heavenly vision. Well, you can't be faithful to something you don't have. So when you talk about vision, you can't just concoct a vision. You have to receive a vision from the Lord. And that's going to happen 
in the kind of services you've been in this week. That's why it's so important to have a pastor like you have in uh, Pastor Dean. And then if you don't have a pastor like Pastor Dean, you need to relocate yourself to be in a church that has Holy Spirit meetings because there's, there's meetings you're going to receive something like that from God. And there's meetings that you could go for 20 years and you're never going to receive anything from God because it's not structured. It, it, it's, it's, it, they might as well just do a drive through and have you, have you come and pass your communion and collect your tithes and preach a, give you an audio cassette, or I guess that'd be, we're a little past that now, give you a little flash drive to listen to on your way home because there's nothing spiritual in the service. There's nothing wrong, but there's nothing spiritual. There's no move of the spirit. There's no open time at the altars. Like, uh, like you've had in these meetings, every meeting doesn't have to be like that, but they, you do have to have them sometimes. Most pastors, when they have special services, it's just another guy doing exactly what they do. And they tell him, you know, don't speak more than 32 minutes. We dismiss at 815. And so what I'm talking about, everybody say a heavenly vision. That you, when you spend time and we, I'm not going to go back into this. If you want, um, these are all on YouTube, watch the opening days. And we dealt with this, getting a, a vision from God. You can't, you either have that or you don't. If you don't, you're going to be like a C minus life because it's going to be you trying to get a job, putting your resume out. There's people like that in the ministry. You know, you hear some ministers, how how do you pastor in Indiana? Well, we put out our resume, um, one church in Ohio, one in Kentucky, one in Indiana, and the one in Indiana was interested. And so that was closer to where my wife's mother lives. So we decided to go there. Wow. What a powerful story. And then you hear other stories like, like my father, my father was in Bible school and they were in that type of meeting that I'm talking about. Greg, there's no use ducking. Everyone sees you. You're six, two, you have (laughs) Swedish blonde hair. You might as well just stand up proud. You don't blend in. So uh, my, my dad's in a meeting. When I was preaching at my brother-in-law's church in Montreal, they had this photographer. The guy must have been 6'8", 300 pounds. And he's ducking around. It's like, hey, King Kong, just stand up. Might as well throw a barrel at somebody while you're taking pictures. Drag your wife to the top of the Empire State Building when you finish. So... Uh, Anyway, my dad's in this meeting and a guy stands up and gives a message in tongues and he, the message in tongues concludes and the, the young man interprets the message in tongues. The prayers and worship of this student body have gone up before the Lord like a sweet sacrifice. And now the Lord, now I have decided to fill this place with my glory and visit this student body. And from the back of the prayer room to the front, white smoke rolled in. This is in the seventies. My dad was in uh, 19 maybe and filled the roof. And my dad said, everybody was on their face. And he said, I was praying in tongues. Everybody was praying in tongues. And that lasted two weeks. Well, in the midst of that, my dad said, some idiot was disturbing. Everyone kept yelling out a million souls, Lord, a million souls for thee, a million souls. And this is before Reinhard Bonnke was known You know, you'd had basically maybe two people in church history that had led a million people to the Lord Jesus Christ. A million souls for you. My dad said, after the guy said it like the fourth time, I opened my eyes and thought, who is this idiot yelling, the arrogant son of a gun yelling this out? And he said, when he listened, it was coming from him. It was coming right out of his spirit. A million souls. My dad was very shy back then. And uh, that gave my dad his vision. If you, you know, that was when my dad was 19. If you go on his website now, let me see what it let me see what it says. Lost lamb. 
dot org, I believe. About. There it is. So there's my dad kneeling at an altar praying for people. Our goal, independence upon God, our goal is to lead one million people to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when COVID hit, he was at about 600 and some thousand that they had decision cards on. Then he did a video during COVID, uh, or it was released during COVID, where he preached, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Where he addressed out of the Bible what the mark of the beast was going to be. And people were curious about end time Bible prophecy. That My dad had a YouTube channel that had, I think, a thousand subscribers. And I don't think he had any videos that had more than a couple hundred views. That video ended up with seven and a half million views. Then another one that he did on similar subjects about COVID, five million, two million. And they, they went to 1.2 million first-time decisions for Christ between 2020, uh, another 600,000. So he's coming towards 70, looking like he's not going to hit the million. Now he's on to the second million. Well, that got, that got birthed when he was 19, where the Lord told him what his what his mission in life is. Paul was able to state in a few sentences to an unbeliever. Everybody say to an unbeliever. You know, if whatever your mission is, you can't state to an unbeliever and it only makes sense in a charismatic church, you're probably mentally ill and at best, you don't have a vision. I have a prophetic flag team that we wave flags in the different colors, signify things in the spirit. You can't explain that to, to King Agrippa. You can't explain that to, to anybody outside of a eight kooky middle-aged women that are in your group with you. Can you say amen? That's not a heavenly vision. You should be able to find it in the Bible. You should be able, I'm going to tell you, as pastor of a church, I stood before the city council. If a city council doesn't want to waive tax exempt, uh, waive your taxes as a, as a church, they say, why should we make you tax exempt as a church? I can tell an unbeliever why a church should be tax exempt. I can tell you why it was written in, into the IRS code by unbelievers. I could explain all that. You should A, know your mission and you should be able to write it down and explain like my dad did in one concise sentence. Our goal, independence upon God, our goal is to lead one million people to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Very simple. My dad can explain that to people. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only door to heaven. According to the Bible, there's a hole that people have in their life that until that's filled by Christ, nothing's going to fill it and their lives are going to be miserable. You should have one thing that's clear and concise that you got from God. You can't, you can't hear me say this and just start scrambling and writing right away. Okay, I'm going to come up. No, no, no. That comes from a time spent with God in prayer. How many of you have ever done the 21-day fast with us to start the year? Oh, a lot of you. Do, without even trying to do that, don't you feel like by day 22 of that year, God had focused you on what you were to do and, and, and given you direction more than before? That comes from spending time with God. There's no substitute. So like I was saying in the beginning, when a church gives no time to spend with God, you just, I didn't come out and close the service last night or the night before in Pentecost. My wife came back and said, you, you know, the, the, you didn't close the service out. I said, I'm not closing the service out. I grew up in Pentecostal church where they would say there's no formal dismissal. The altars are open for prayer. As you come or as you go, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Because they left. It was standard. You would come and for yourself. 
Not I need prayer. Not someone praying for you. You get on your knees and say, Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for time in your presence. Then as you spend time with him, there's things that he'll share with you because you're spending intimate time with God. If you take that out of Christianity, you're going to have a bunch of wandering around people that don't know what their mission is in life. And they're just paying their bills and their life, rev- and their life revolves around paying their bills to the point that if the job they have that pays their bills contradicts with Sunday morning church, they're not coming to church. Pastor, I have my job, you know, I have to work Sunday. They, they have no mission. Their mission now is the same mission as a golden retriever to get food and a place to lay down at night. When you lose the God part of you, you become a surviving animal. Just looking for somebody to have sex with or a place to lay down at night, move in with a guy. But when you have a vision from heaven, that puts you on a narrow course where you know exactly what you're to do. You're going to leave out of this week. After today, you're going to have a mission from heaven. And you're going to be able to say like the Apostle Paul did, I was faithful to that heavenly vision. If you receive that, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Give the Lord a great hand clap and a great shout. So we went through the first 10, and now I'm going to start at number 11. 20 realities for vision and visionaries. Number 11, vision makes decision-making easy. When you don't have a vision, you have a loose life, L-O-O-S-E. You can do whatever, go hang out on Friday. If my friends call me in Pittsburgh and want to hang out tonight, I can. I'm not in Pittsburgh. So even if I want to, I can. I'm on a mission. And so it makes decision-making very easy. And in fact, I don't even get invited to much anymore because people just know I'm, I'm unavailable. You know, I don't get invited to people's birthday parties or children's birthday. Nobody invites me. If I show up, people are shocked. Oh, you're in town. Oh, you're here. Yeah. I've been home a couple of Saturdays in the last eight months. You know, like tonight, tonight, I'm going to leave here at 1130 and people that don't have vision. I'm not talking about you guys, but like at some churches, it's like when I finished tonight, last night we finished at what, 1040. My flight leaves at 1130 to fly back to Pittsburgh and I lose two hours. So when I land, it'll be four in the morning. So I can't. It's not I, I think I'm better than people and can't stay and shake hands. I, I can't. I, I don't have, if, if, you're, if all of you are my grandmothers, I, I don't have time. I, I got to go. And so you, when, I, when I rush out, it's not because I don't like people, but I'm going to hit that plane. I'm going to land at 4 a.m. at the Pittsburgh... Uh, uh, Atlantic Aviation or whatever it is and then drive home. I'll get home probably at quarter to five in the morning by the time they load my bags and everything and I have our 55 plus seniors brunch Saturday because I still pastor a church so I, I, can't, I can't waste the Saturday. I'm not home. I'm, I, I leave. I'll leave again. So when I'm home, I got to maximize that time and be with the seniors. Well, that I don't have time to get depressed. Well, how do you feel? I don't know how I feel. I have a place to be at 11 o'clock and I'm going to be there. Amen. It just doesn't matter. So when you have a, a vision, your life is very narrow. When you don't have a vision, your life is loose. You're on Tinder swiping and uh, carrying on online relationships with somebody on Instagram or whatever. You can't do that when you have a vision. So vision is something that's great for life because it makes decision making easy. Do you want to be friends? Are you an evangelist? No. Then no, I don't want to be. We're not going to end up together. We're not. We're on two different paths. But when you're headed nowhere in particular, then you just end up anywhere. Amen. Number 12, vision makes people react to you. This is the value of vision. Vision makes people react to your decisions instead of you reacting to the decisions of your enemy. 
Vision makes people react to you instead of you always reacting to other people. You can always tell people that don't have a vision because they're always talking about what they're going to do. Did you hear what they're planning? But when you have vision, they have to say, did you hear? I bet you there's people in Fort Worth right now saying, did you hear that Jonathan Shellsworth's coming to town and starting a church? They're on the back foot. I'm not on the back foot. I've never liked... Um, we had a hockey, we have a hockey team in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they won three Stanley Cups in a handful of years. And I love the style that the coach played, Mike Sullivan, because he played, he, he signed the fastest players. They weren't hitters. They were not physical. And he played this style where you'd have thought they were down by three goals with two minutes left in the game right from the opening whistle. They did full out attack. The defenseman pinched. I like that. That would be my style. If, if My style in life would be a five wide receiver set in shotgun. I don't like when, when a team gets a lead and starts trying to take time off the clock and then plays prevent defense. That lets teams back in the game. I like going right foot to the floor uh, in life because then people have to back off and, and wonder what you're doing. If you're not making any moves, then you have to think about what moves other people are making. Uh, you hear they might shut down the oil and gas field. No, that's decisions other people are making. But if you're making a plan to open them up, <coughs> no water, please. I just, I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sick. I don't know what that is. If you make a plan, I think it's the cigarettes, to be honest with you. If you make a plan, that was just to make Pastor Dean laugh. He, he likes it. If you make a plan to open up the, the oil and gas field, and you've met with lawyers and found a way around the regulation, now you're putting the regulators on the back foot and they're having to react to you. Christians do not use, again, again, what's, what's the point? People don't listen. The best way to live life is for you to make plans that other people have to react to. Instead of always wondering, did you hear what Biden might do? Who cares? I could outthink him in my sleep. I'm not sitting up at night wondering what Biden's going to do. He doesn't even know what he's going to do. He's trying to find the front door to his house. Amen. So, so most, Christians are, are, most Christians are completely reactionary. It's always what they're doing. They're going to do. You know, that's why we, we encourage you. There's nothing wrong with being on government assistance today. But if you're still on this time next year, you, you don't listen. You don't act on the word of God. Because if you're on government assistance, everything's dictated to you. You're told where you can live. You're told when your kids have to go to the doctor. You don't have the option of saying, no, I don't want my uh, two-month-old to receive 21 vaccines today. They'll take custody of your child. Your life is being dictated to you by other people. I, you, you know, I might have my life's work cut out for me, snapping the body of Christ out of this mentality where you're letting other people tell you where you can live, what you can do, how much land you can own. And if you'll let them, that's what they're planning. They're going to tell you what you you can eat. You're not allowed to eat meat. You can eat crickets. When you hear about this central bank digital currency, that's going to give them the ability where they say, well, you, no one's ever going to not stop eating steak and eat crickets. Well, if you take away cash and go to a central bank digital currency, they can allot how much you can spend on beef per month. They can allot how much fuel you buy. They can allot how much you spend on, on whatever they want to allot it on. They, so people would like to take your freedom from you and control you. But that will only work if you develop a class of Americans. Americans that enjoy being controlled. 
mask up, stay home, save lives, and feel like you're doing a good for the service because you have a, a, a service for the community because you have a mask on and a Ukraine pin on, on your shirt. You know, just doing whatever the television tells you to do. But we break that today in Jesus' name. Where your life isn't going to be dictated by the demonic vision of other people. Your life's going to be dictated by the God-given vision that he's given you. Can you say amen? amen. So there's uh, 11 and 12. Number 13. Running your life. Your life must be run by your vision instead of your budget. Amen. And that's not an excuse to overspend and get yourself into debt. But we, we dealt with in the beginning, one of the points was that your vision will always contradict your present ability and then your, the present money that you have in the bank. That's what vision is. Vision seeing ahead and seeing past even where you are right now. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Uh, okay, well, just so you know, I'm 70 and my wife's 60 and we couldn't have kids when we were in our 20s. Yeah. Your vision will always contradict a God-given vision. My dad can't win a million people to the Lord. He had just been cut from the Bible college choir. He was the only cut. He tried out to sing. You know, if they cut you from a church choir, you're, you're awful. Yeah. They'll put anybody on there. And so there was nothing in his ability. My dad got nervous speaking to people one-on-one -on -one and could not speak in groups. He was nervous. So your vision will contradict your, your personal abilities and it will contradict your budget because God will never give you something that you can do without his help. Then you'd be walking by sight, not by faith. He gives you something that, that forces you to rely on him. Amen. You know, I thought... Uh, right as of right now, we have about four and a half million dollars in the bank in the ministry. I thought if the if I ever had four and a half million dollars in the bank, I could just chill. But it's actually as the money keeps increasing, the responsibility increases. Oh, praise the Lord! We have four and a half million. All right, now do a second church in Fort Worth. Okay. All of a sudden, you don't have a nest egg you're sitting on. You have seed money, and you and you're in in a position of faith, believing for God to increase what you have. Amen. So you don't, you don't live by your budget, you live by your vision. Amen. You don't live by your budget, you live by your vision. If you see yourself poor and tell your kid, put those Fruit Loops back and go get the other cereal box that has probably the generic cereal parrot on it with no colors, no game on the back, and the bird has a gold tooth and a parole bracelet around its uh, ankle. So you can save 80 cents. You're going to have to break out of that because people do that. You know, after all I preach on this subject and these subjects, I had a, I had a pastor in our um, ministerial mentorship group. He said, Jonathan, I heard about you acquiring that land and all that. But what would you say to someone like our ministry? Because we're not in a position financially to acquire land and property. I said, did you, you said you just heard how we got land and property. I don't think you did. We were given we had it given to us. We also were not in a financial position to acquire it. We confessed it and received what we confessed. So people will read all of Brother Hagin's books. They'll listen to faith messages for 20 years. And they still will never unblock the dam in their brain. That this thing that worked for Brother Hagin and all the other people you are in Pastor Dean. God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for anybody and he'll do it for you. Your job is not to make it happen. It's to believe it and speak it. Call those things that are not as though they are. Everybody say, I serve an unlimited God. And I have, un I have access to unlimited power. Let's make it even more practical. Say, I have access 
to unlimited finances. Yeah, my financing is not what I have in the bank. That's what God has entrusted me with as of right now. But I have, there's plenty more where that came from. My, my finances don't come from Wells Fargo or what, what's the main bank around here? Wells Fargo. It doesn't come from there. It doesn't come from Prosperity Bank. It comes from the open windows of heaven. And the supply there, there is no recession there. God owns all the silver and all the gold. Now, once you start believing like that, you should start planning like that. It's like Fort Worth. What am I going to do? Because it's going to determine how the church turns out. Am I going to get a little storefront beat down church to save money? Then I'm going to attract storefront beat down people. But if, if you want to have a, something that, where you're telling a city that you serve the top God, your building shouldn't look like you serve the devil's high school dropout cousin. Can you say amen? Your amen's weak. Can you say amen? amen. Say this word with me. Say excellent. excellent. Yeah. You have to, and that's what you'll lose. People in saving money, people lose money. Because your vision and your thing look so cheap that no one wants to get behind it. Big people are attracted to big things. Yeah, but we should be interested in reaching the poor. Poor people are also attracted to big things. So you, the poor people come either way, but there are people. Somebody that owns the Pittsburgh Steelers is not going to sit in a church that has missing ceiling tiles. They're, they're not. They don't do that. They won't eat at a restaurant that's like that. Well, they should. No, you should get ceiling tiles. If a casino can be built looking like a palace for the devil's things, then the church that worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob should look like we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your company should have nice trucks, should have uniforms or, or whatever. You should look diff You should look top. doesn't matter what they do in the industry. They stopped wearing suits in my industry. I wear them at night. Right now I'm wearing my grandmother's black blouse because I'm, it's the end of the trip and it was all I had left. But I, I'm not dressing down because we're casual. Yeah, you're casual and you drink and your ministry's gone. I'm going to, not that there's anything in a, in a suit, but I, I, I'm not running some little local ministry. I, I have a national, international ministry. And I'm going to look like somebody that you can hand a $100,000 check to and I know what to do with it. Can you say amen? amen? Number 12 or number 13, run your life by your vision instead of by your budget. And you'll be surprised when you start picking out the best places. You know, there, there's a vacant church that my staff, my staff is in Fort Worth right now looking at real estate. They found a very nice church there that's vacant. You know, it's not cheap. But then as they started calling and talking to the people, there's people that already know me that are on the board there that are going to attend the church that want to work something out. So if you'll look for the best, God will facilitate what you can't do. And I'm telling you, and you're free to disagree with me, but I'm not wrong. If you look for the cheapest thing and to try to get a deal, God won't get involved because God doesn't know how to shrink his brain down that low. You would think, you know, there's Jehovah Jireh, there's Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Sitkanu. You would think that one of the names of God was Jehovah Bargoni. The way you, you listen to Christian stuff. I am Jehovah Bargoni, the God who gives good deals. Because that's all everybody's testimony. We got a good deal. We were able to save money on the sound system. Yeah, it sounds like, not here. I, uh, I, 
you know, uh, Pentecostal church, crackling sound system, mic cracks. Half the church needs a miracle to open their deaf ears, and they came into the service able to hear. <laughs> Everything beat down, smells like black mold in there. But we were able to get a deal on it. We were able to get a deal. Did you see where our church is? We were able to get a deal on the land. Well, I, you should. I had to have a compass and Sacagawea help me find it. <laughs> yeah, there's properties out in the middle of nowhere. You know, you can't, nobody can find it. Not near anything. Everybody, everybody, nobody's close to it. Run your life by your vision. Don't ask yourself what's cheapest. Ask yourself what's best. Then start using your mind as to how to get what's best. Amen. You'd be amazed what God will do if you start thinking like that because that's how he thinks. So that's number 13. Number 14. You cannot go forward with your vision surrounded by people who can't or won't see what you see. The more you advance in your vision, you're going to have to shed some people. Because some people can only walk with you so far. They can go with you to the $200,000 level a year. But then as you go to half a million dollar a year, now that, I don't know, you know, it's a lot. I'm, I'm actually surprised because we, we haven't had anybody drop off in our ministry yet. I thought for sure there'd be some small-minded person that I didn't realize was around me. That when we announced we're going to start a church in Fort Worth, two churches, hey, what? Well, you're welcome to think what you want. That's what we're doing. I didn't put it up for a vote. So if, if you're not comfortable with that, then you can't come with me. So listen now. You can't drag people forward with you that don't see what you see and don't even believe in your ability to go there. Caleb and Joshua had to separate from their brothers that were the 10 unbelieving spies. I don't think you can do all that. You're welcome to think that. Everybody's welcome to have whatever opinion they want, but, but we're no longer together. And there's people that are miserable in their ministries and miserable in their businesses because they refuse to jettison People that are actually demonic plants. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem to die. And Peter said, stop saying things like that. Don't go to Jerusalem. What did Jesus do? Just ignore it. He looked at the disciples. Then he looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me. Satan. Satan. Oh yeah. Jesus would have lost his whole board of directors at that point. Yeah, I don't think he needed to call him that. And he didn't need to say it publicly because he could have said it. He, he could have sent him an email. But people don't even know Jesus. Get there behind me, Satan. Because what you're saying, he said, you're talking from man's perspective, not by God's. It's satanic for somebody to tell you not to do what God told you to do. I said, I'll say it again. It's satanic. Not it's not best, it's not right. If you have somebody in your office that's telling you you're making a mistake, we shouldn't be getting a building. We don't have enough money to build on 24.8 acres. Jonathan, you're out. You're out just like if we were in the Gambino family in New York in 1980 and we said we're going to move in on Staten Island. You know, I think that's a mistake. Okay, uh, we're not going to see you around anymore. You're going to go sleep with the fishes. Now, we don't kill people in the ministry, but you fire them. My grandfather had a great saying, problems in life are free. There's no need to put them on the payroll. Some people, their greatest source of opposition is someone they have on salary. 
They don't even want to go into their own office because they have to walk by their secretary. I'm just saying, you know, payroll's coming due uh, in 20 days. And right now it's looking like we might have enough. Thanks for the encouragement. It's 20 days away. You don't need somebody like that. Can you say amen? So you need to learn. Not that I think we have fired four people in the history of our ministry. So I'm not talking about one of these. I'm not one of these people. People are only in your life for a season. My intention is to keep particularly our core with me my whole life. But if somebody starts being used of the devil to tell you what you can and can't do. I don't think we can do that. Uh, Who are you? I'm the assistant to the facilities manager. Okay, go get a rake and don't talk to me anymore. Don't put up with demonic people. There's an old preacher that called it body blows. That the devil won't always try to land a knockout punch to your jaw, but it'll keep some annoying person like that around that just hits you with small blows to your body and wears you down. So you lose your zeal. Can you say amen? So, so you cannot take people with you who can't see or won't see what you see. Number 15. I'm going to deal with this at the end, so, but I'll just mention it as a point. Write the vision and make it plain. Habakkuk chapter 2. You should be able to sum up your life goal in one or two clear sentences. Part of, and so here, here would be what isn't two concise sentences. Part of me feels like I should continue my house cleaning business because I do well at it. But then part of me wants to write poetry because the Holy Spirit gives me poetry in my dreams and travel around and just tell the poetry. Okay, now you're, you do not have a vision. You have one thing that's a vision and another thing that's a distraction because there's, that's not even a thing. You know, you should be able to find what you're endeavoring to do somewhere in the Bible or somewhere in Business Insider. And again, I don't want to get back into what we've already covered, but pay attention to what you do well naturally and what brings in money. Don't throw that away. You notice I'm not leaving Pittsburgh to go to Fort Worth. Pittsburgh's my seat of authority. It'd be a mistake to leave there. I've watched ministries leave wherever God had them to go to wherever they, Florida, Dallas, Tennessee, wherever they felt to go. And the new thing never bloomed and they lost the old thing. So you can do two, two things at once, but I would be, I want to tell everybody this. I hope this gets out. I hope this gets tens of thousands of views to all my friends that are 45 to 60 that have done well in business. And all of a sudden you have an idea that you want to be an associate pastor or something and you make millions of dollars in business. I'd be careful. You're a businessman. God anointed you to be, to be in business. Don't get distracted. Even something that's a good thing can be a distraction. There's nothing wrong if I want to go fight human trafficking. That would be a good thing to do. But for me, I'd be leaving my call and the thing God has me to do to do something that's good, but not what I'm assigned to. Amen. Yes. And there's many, thousands and tens of thousands of men and women that God anointed to make millions of dollars to fund the end time harvest. And they cut out on it when they're 50 because they get bored with it. And rather than go to the next level, they, they, they become an associate pastor and they're disgruntled there. I I think I should be preaching more. No, you should be preaching less. And you should continue in the thing that God gave you to do. Write the vision down and make it plain. You should be able to sum up your life, your life's mission in one or two clear-cut sentences. 
I've, I think I've taught on this here before, but go to Second Chronicles chapter 2. You know, our Bible school has ages 18 to 35. And I did that for a reason. You know, if you're 46 and feel called in the ministry, that can happen. But I'd like to know how you're 46 and able to just up and go to school. Where's your wife or wives? Are you with them? Great. Are they buried in a state park somewhere? People live weird lives. There was a guy that used to come around our ministry. I, I told people, don't even let him on the property anymore. Because he was married. He brought his wife. Then the next time he came, there was no wife. No, and no mention of it. On Instagram, all her pictures are just gone. Is she dead? You know, if you get married, you kind of owe people an explanation about what happened. You can't just disappear the person. Where's she? In a mare's shipping container in Serbia? I want to know where she is. Until you mention it, you can't just... You can't just run out on your life. A man who, has, who does not provide for his own house has left the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. A man who does not provide for his own household has left the faith and is worse than an infidel. And people, there's a lot of lazy bum men who don't want to provide for their family and mask it by going to Bible school or seminary or getting a job in the ministry. And there's no money in it. God's not blessing them. They're in the ministry not because they're called. They don't want to work. So well, the ministry is work. Not your ministry. You don't have a church. You don't have a, a, an evangelistic. You're, you're nothing. You have a couple of Facebook promo photos. That's not a ministry. So the thing that you're doing, I don't know if the lady's here or not, and if she is here, you don't have to raise your hand, but you heard a lady ask yesterday. She said, what if God's called you to do something, but it doesn't make money? I said, I want to hear what, what God called you to do that doesn't make money. What doesn't make money? The Red Cross makes money. Our ministry makes money. People that dig wells in third world country, it makes revenue. There's people that want to get involved in that. So what has God called you to do that doesn't make any money? I want to hear, because that's not a thing. Money is a reward for services rendered, whether it's charitable services or fixing somebody's engine. There's a value on that and people pay it. Well, as she told, you know, uh, well, I do physical training and personal training, but people don't have money to spend on that. No, people have plenty of money to spend on everything. Everybody in this room has a phone that's worth $1,000 that if you dropped it on this floor and it shattered, you'd find a way to get $1,000 to have it replaced in the week. If you had to sell one of your kidneys to the Matamoros drug cartel, you, you'd come up with some money. If you're watching from the Matamoros drug cartel, I'm just using an example, or, or I want to stay on your good side. Can you say amen? amen? So don't, if what you're doing is not making money, something's wrong. I help watch people's kids. Yeah, that's called daycare. Charge. Do you ever notice on Family Feud, there's always one family on one side and one on the other and they ask the one family what do you do for a living i'm an engineer what do you do for a living i'm actually headed to um uh new mexico uh unlv to study engineering what do you do i own a dry cleaning business then they go to the other family what do you do watch the kids that's not a job Ooh, might be getting a word of knowledge on the whole crowd I used to think amens were a sign you were on the money, but silence often is. 
Because what you're doing, now not today, I'll give you the day off because I want you to listen in to me. But start, start next week. You should be getting on your horse and doing something that produces wealth. People shouldn't have to give you a ride to church. You should have a ride for other people. And then over time, why do you have Christians, some that need a ride to church? There's nothing wrong with needing a ride to church when you first get saved. There's nothing wrong. I'll give you the first six months. But if one year after you've come in contact with this Bible, you're asking, do you guys have a bus? You have not heard or paid attention to or listened to the word. Something's wrong. Because the Bible never will leave a person where they're at when they met it. When I came in contact with the Bible and gave my life to Jesus, I was unemployed. I lived at home. I couldn't read. I was four. But I have a place to live now. I can read. I got rid of my Oshkosh Bogosh corduroys and have a, a higher end clothing now. Because the Bible never leaves somebody where it found them. You should do something. Deuteronomy 8.18. Behold, I'm the Lord your God who giveth thee power to create wealth. Everybody say create wealth. So the vision God gave you is not some weird vision. You have to preach this out of full gospel people. You ever wonder why Baptist churches dominate and charismatic churches don't? Because they don't, they don't have everything. In the, they're not binding spirits of poverty. Come against these spirits of poverty. Hey, here's a thought. Instead of binding a spirit of poverty, change out of your pajama pants before 3 p.m. and get a job. You'd be amazed how the spirit of poverty goes away. I have a generational curse. No, you don't. You have no job. You have nothing that produces wealth. You're not doing something. Vision is not a way to sidestep work. Vision is doing the work that God's called you to do. Can you say amen? I see you doing, getting right involved in the thing God's called you to do. Getting up early, doing something that generates wealth in Jesus' name. This is not 1880 where you either go to the mines in Carlsbad or, or, or there's no job. There are so many things. Yeah, but I have to watch the kids. There are things you can do on your computer at home. I follow a girl. She might be watching right now, a young lady in, in Florida. She's from Pittsburgh originally. She got saved in one of my meetings. She moved down to Fort Lauderdale. She never leaves her condo. Her day is, you'd think she was unemployed the day that she has from her Instagram stories. Feet up at the pool, works out. But she does, on, from her laptop, everything. They don't want her to come into the office. They want it remote to have less office space. So she bangs out a bunch of work at her kitchen counter, meetings on Zoom, whatever she's doing, selling medical equipment or whatever. It's all, all from her kitchen. They don't have an 1800s mindset. Well, I have to watch the kids. I can't go out to Carlsbad to the mines. There's other things. I'm not trying to get the 70-year-old grandmas that are here out in the natural gas field. Who's the lady in the floral dress? I don't know. She, she went to some vision thing and now she... No. You have, everybody say, I have options. Yeah, you got to say, I have a lot of options. But you don't have the option to not create wealth. 
because every believer is called to clothe the naked, not your own kids, clothe other people who don't have kids. Feed the hungry, not your mouths, other people's mouths. You, not might, you might not be able to do it week one or month one or month six, but after a year, you should be getting on a track now where I'm going to have an overflowing cup to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, get the gospel out, build churches, roof churches. I'm not a chump. I'm a champion in Jesus' name. That's why I'm preaching to you like that. If I thought everybody was a bunch of idiots, I'd preach messages like that, how hard life is. No, you're not an idiot. You have the mind of Christ. You have God's potential on the inside of you. And you can do all things because Christ gives you strength. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers. 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to the king of Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs. Now he's talking to a pagan king. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father, David, when he was building his palace. Now here's his mission statement. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 4. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. It will be a place set apart to burn fragrant incense before him, to display the special sacrificial bread and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening on the Sabbath, at new moon celebrations, and at the other appointed festivals of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things forever. Verse 5, this must be a magnificent temple because our God is greater than all other gods. Everybody use that word with me. Say magnificent. Did anybody see when we first announced, when we got the 24.8 acres of land, and then at the end of the video, they showed that steel building we were going to put up, that I didn't have much to do with that. I saw it the first time on the video, and you've never seen the steel building again, because I told the two guys to put it up. I said, I'm not doing that. No one's going to see that and give. That looks like a FEMA detention camp. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. I've been down that road too, where in, in, to save money, you lose money. Because no one is going to look at something that's not magnificent and say, I want to get involved in that. So you think in going after the cheapest, you're saving money. But there's people, when you go to build a big church or do a big thing, you'd be surprised. Not just church. You go to do a big thing in business. You'd be an investor. A big investor is not interested in a small project. But if you're going to do a big thing and they hear, hey, I heard you're doing this. What do you think about this, this, and this? I'd like to get involved. They'll start coming out of the woodwork because big people are attracted to big things. Small people come either way. And so you lose money by trying to save money. I don't know why Jonathan puts those pictures up of him flying in that jet. People aren't going to give. More people give. The things We've gone from 2,000 partners when I first started flying in jets to 14,000. Because big people are attracted to big things. I, you know what rich people tell me when, when they talk to me? I like how you use those planes so you can get back to your family. You're smart. Yeah, yeah that's how they think. I'm not looking to, to get the approval of somebody in a faded Scooby-Doo t-shirt. <laughs> I'm not I asking a jet like that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things you don't know. So in trying to save, and, and the only reason I post the picture is not to rub it in people's face. It's the same reason I wear my best watch in public. I show the jets because there's nothing to expose if you've already exposed everything. So nothing about my life's a secret. If, K, if CBS News in Pittsburgh said coming up at 11, there's a new pastor in Pittsburgh, but he wears a Rolex. He flies in private jets. Everyone at home would be going like this. 
We know he never stops talking about it. Can you say amen? amen? Write the vision and make it plain. I want you by Monday to be able to write down what your life's mission is. You heard Paul give his in Acts 26. You heard Solomon tell his, we're going to build a temple. It needs to be used for feasts, new moons, new moons, Sabbaths, to, and burn fragrance and incense for, for, for God. This must be a magnificent temple because he's the greatest God there is. You must, you must be able, A, to have a vision and B, to write it down and make it where someone hears it and not only understands it, but wants to get involved. Your vision, you notice all these kings got back to Solomon. Okay, I'm sending the wood. That's awesome. We're going to get involved. People should hear what you're doing. Do you know how many people we have helping us in Texas, in Pittsburgh, all over, that aren't even Christians? Did you know one of the guys who likes me, that's, that's uh, an owner of one of the sports teams in Pittsburgh? He, he comes to the church. He's a good guy. He's not a member of the church. You know, I, I don't talk to him that much. I don't see him that much, but he's helped us a lot. He got in touch with me on the phone and he said, um, hey, I saw you're not building, using that steel building anymore. He said, I was going to talk to you about that and tell you not to do that. They, you know, he said, he said, you need to think bigger. He said, your church is growing fast. You would have outgrown that thing like this. So you see, top people are turned off by your little decisions. It's, it's little strugglers that applaud you. And you know what I like about him? He doesn't buy a car. He takes the bus to work, saves a bunch of money. No, but, but people that are smart think, what are you doing wasting four hours of your day? Two hours to work, two hours back by bus and missing out on time with your kids to save a car payment. Or come up with the faith. You know, we, we, you can buy a Mercedes. You know, used cars, used cars right now are at the lowest level they've been at. And I can't remember how many years. There was a time where, where what it would have cost to buy a used Hyundai, you can get a used in good condition Mercedes for right now for the same price. Because in inflation, everything hasn't gone up. Some things have gone up and some things have plummeted. And used cars have plummeted more than anything else. Used good cars. There's too many cars on the market and it's driven the value down. I have to take the bus. Are you sure? <laughs> have you looked at what the cost is? And you don't even have to get a Mercedes. I'm telling you that a Mercedes is what a Hyundai used to do. What if you get a Hyundai? That's lower. Good car coming out of Asia. You're just doing what your family has done because everybody thinks that you are bigger than you know because there's a big God who lives on the inside of you. Sixteen. Understand the power of sticking with original vision. And I've covered this a little bit. I'll cover it more, I guess. Some people change and reinvent themselves so much they don't even know what they are anymore. Restaurants have gone out of business. You know, there's some restaurants just by the size of the menu, you know it's going to suck. They have a Greek section, Italian section, Mexican. You can't make spaghetti and quesadillas. I mean, you can, but they're either both going to be bad or one's going to be good and one's going to be bad. True or false? If you go to the best Mexican restaurant in Hobbs, I guarantee you they don't serve Greek salads. I guarantee you they don't have cheeseburgers. If you go to really good restaurants, like if you go to a really good Mexican restaurant and you're white like me and you say, um, do you, my, my kids with me, do you have any cheeseburgers or chicken fingers? They say in Spanish, no. <laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> Tough luck, gringo. <laughs> we, sir, we make one thing. If you want, we make Mexican food. If you're here, 
you order Mexican food. You go to the top cheesesteak place in Philadelphia, it's delicious. You go to any of them, they have nothing else on the menu. All you tell them when you order is what kind of cheese you want, whether you want onions or no onions. If you say anything else in Philadelphia, they just throw you out of line, stick it out of line. There's nothing else. They do one thing. So everybody say original vision. There's very few pastors in their 70s, like Pastor Dean, that the church is doing the best it's ever done because they kept changing. But he's doing the same thing. Now, there's curtains. There's, a, there's an LED board. That doesn't have it. That's just, that's window dressing. But he's doing the same thing on Sunday that he was doing when he was teaching a room full of people when they started, and Pastor Kathy too. They were, they were a word of faith church. When it wasn't popular, they were a word of faith church when it was popular. Now that it's not popular and even the word of faith people are leaving, they're still a word of faith church. The power of original vision. If you deviate, what if my dad got that original vision to lead a million people to Christ? Then after 25 years, he just got sick of it. I, I don't deal with this and this, but... Um, if you've listened to my message, 20 Secrets of Uncommon Achievers, you have to keep the passion and excitement of the thing God gave you alive. It's easy to be excited about starting a church in Fort Worth right now, but then after two years, let's say it plateaus at 1,100 people. We can't break 1,100 and the Pittsburgh one's growing. Okay, uh, no. You have to keep the excitement of everything alive. You can't allow yourself to get bored with the thing God gave you. And that's what I hear from a lot of people that are 48 and I'm 42, 48, 52, 55. God's not calling them out of business into ministry. They're bored with their business. They've allowed the devil to deceive them that they've done everything they can do in that area when really if they'd push it, they could take it from 8 million a year to 30 million a year. And from 30 million a year to 120 million a year. And, then, and you'll start hearing them if they haven't heard people like me preach. They're gonna start saying, that, yeah, you know, I'm earning lots of money, but money's not important to me. That's exactly the place God wants you to get to, to start showering the wealth of the wicked into your hands. Because now you have everything you want. I feel like that. There's no watch. I like watches. That's all. I don't wear other jewelry. And, I, and I, God gave me the best one. There was actually one I looked at and thought, one day I'll, I'll get this maybe, if I'm rich enough. And somebody handed it to me. There's nothing for me to get for me. I, I, I'm eating rock and taco every night. That's exactly, if I had a billion dollars in the bank personally, that, that's what I would eat at night. I wouldn't have caviar throw, flown in. Hey, let me tell you something, rich people pretend to like certain foods. Have you ever had caviar from the seas, from the Caspian Sea? Have you ever had steak carne asada? Because if you tell me that, that caviar is better than carne asada, you're going to hell. I take a dollar fifty taco from a gas station in Hobbs over beluga caviar from Russia. I've had them both. Well, rich people just pretend. Mm -hmm. mm, nothing. Even the stuff they put on it lets you know they don't like it. If you had caviar, then you put it on a cracker, then you put horseradish on it, then you drink this drink that's very tart to to what? Cover up the crap taste. So it's not about you wanting a bigger house. Now you can, you can start a foundation. Imagine, imagine God gives you a business that you take to the $50 million level. What's your tithe every year? Five million, not even counting your offering. You could start a fund for any 
mother that wants to put her child in private school and not put them in a hellhole public school and offer to pay the tuition. All they have to do is fill out a form and show. And you could, you could give a major where they're having city council meetings about you. Enrollment's down at the public school so much, it's cutting our funding down because of this guy is taking his money and following everybody into Christian school. That's what God's going to use people to do in this last hour of time. And you can be the one if you're interested. Everybody say, I'm interested. Sticking with original vision. How are all the churches doing that started off as holiness churches like the Methodist church and now are LGBT churches? Do they have more people or less? Never deviate from original vision. If Chick-fil-A announced tomorrow they're not going to serve chicken anymore, they're going to serve tacos, it wouldn't matter how good the tacos were, they're going to go down. Stick with original vision. Amen. 17. Vision creates and attracts wealth and resources. And for the scripture reference, the entire book of Nehemiah. When you have a vision, I don't know what it is. It's supernatural. When you have a vision, it starts putting a magnetic pull on money in the earth that people come out of the woodwork and want to get involved with the thing that you're doing. Vision attracts wealth. That's why you don't make the plans of what you're going to do based on what you have. You understand your vision is going to pull money towards the vision. With vision, there's provision. 18. Visionaries decide they're going to make their mistakes going forward. And I'm going to explain what I mean because I don't believe you have to make mistakes because you can be led by the Spirit and the Spirit will never lead you into a mistake. But what you need to settle with yourself is the reason people don't go forward is they're afraid they're going to take a risk and lose everything. When actually the risk of losing everything is staying where you're at. There's not a risk for me in starting a church in Fort Worth. There's a risk if I said, no, Lord, I'm going to stay in Pittsburgh. Then it dra- Now I'm off track. Right. That's true. So because God is a God of increase and expansion, as you stay with him, he's going to keep speaking to you about increase and expansion. It's not a risk to follow him down that road. It's a risk to say, no, I'm good. And you stay where you're at and you get out of the will of God. So you make up your mind. If I make a mistake, it's going to be in, with aggression. It's going to be going forward. It's going to be in, you know, okay, if I make a mistake, then I'll admit, okay, I guess we should have got the steel building and built a church instead that looked like a FEMA detention camp. And maybe I got a little too wound up about Second Chronicles 2. Then I'll make it that way. But I'm not going to have a FEMA detention center camp that looks, that's a church and then say, boy, I wonder what would happen if we would have really used our faith and put something on the side of Interstate 279 that looked like it was a church for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Visionaries decide whatever mistakes I make in life, I'm going to make them going forward. And you'll find you won't make mistakes much. You don't have to make them at all because God's a forward advancement God. Can you say amen? uh, 19. Visionaries make decisions based on the accomplishment of the mission rather than the emotions and feelings of themselves and others. A visionary will always, always make their decision based on the accomplishment of their mission rather than the emotions and feelings of themselves and others. You would never in a zillion years would Pastor Dean get a call. Can we reschedule the meeting? I'm tired. I don't care. I'll be tired anyway. It's not like what if I cancel the meeting, I get refreshed. There, the meeting's canceled. I feel better. No. And you actually get more refreshed staying at the, 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 and we dealt with this already, that there's a zeal that accompanies your vision. 
So you think if you stayed home for a week that that's how you'd be refreshed. There's people here right now that you're going to feel better after tonight being in these week of meetings than you would if you took a week in Hawaii. Because you're getting refreshed from the inside out instead of the outside in and the inside's what matters. And it's the same with vision. If you stay in your vision, there's an energy there and there's not energy outside of it. Can you say amen? Visionaries make decisions. Number 19, based on the accomplishment of the mission rather than emotions and feelings of themselves and others. Yourself, you don't take it into account. Remember, let's just summer all ask Smith Wigglesworth, how do you feel, Brother Wigglesworth? He was 80 years old. And he said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. Yeah, you don't, I don't care. You, you must be tired. I don't know if I am or not. I don't care. I, I, have, I have an assignment that I'm going to take care of today. And you don't take into account. Now, your main decisions don't take into account the feelings and emotions of others. After, how many of you watched when we did what no eye has seen? What did I announce on Sunday I was giving my staff the next week? The whole church was closed for the whole week. Which in the natural, we can't afford to do that. That's a mistake to take a zero for a week. Did you know we had almost half a million dollars come in that week with no offerings? No newsletter, no broadcast, no nothing. Gee, it's almost like the Lord was saying, take a week off. You did great. So you do, you do watch morale. I'm not saying you don't pay any attention if somebody's being overworked, but I'm saying your main decisions. When the Lord says start a church of Fort Worth, I go, I don't know, people might be tired. No, I don't. <laughs> Once the Lord speaks, it's time to move. Myself included. And mo now I say that because most people, every decision they make in life is based on their emotions and feelings or their emo the emotions and feelings of others. They're going to a church right now because they got upset at the church they were at. You know, if the Lord tells me to attend the church, I don't care what happens until he says leave, I'm not leaving. I think he was talking about me when he was mentioning that God will break drug addiction. Do you have a drug problem? I do. Okay, why not get delivered? Why not receive the word instead of get your little panties in a bunch? You know, when he preached about you shouldn't get drunk and beat your wife, you know, that hurt me. Why? Do you get drunk and beat your wife? Sometimes. Okay. Well, instead of getting hurt, you needed to get healed. <laughs> Amen. So there's no spiritual decision people make. It's all if you talk, well, we went here and then, you know, my son got hurt. And so we, no, you got to go through it. My daughter got punched in the face in school this year. And uh, that was a bad time to take a swallow. We were on it. By who? Yeah. Not me. She got punched in the face at school. And then pull her. A doll said, uh, you, want, you want to change schools? No, if anything, I'll, <laughs> I'll hire other fourth graders to run that kid out. We felt to send Camila to that school and some emotionally unstable kid isn't going to change that. She could get hit again. She can get hit at another school. Get hit anywhere. Amen. You never make decisions based on that feeling. You do it by the spirit. Can you say amen? So visionaries decide visionaries make decisions based on the accomplishment of the mission rather than the emotions and feelings of themselves and others. Adonis, if you would come forward and grab a microphone and just add some of these. And then number 20, no need to expound on this one. 
vision brings joy. Without a vision, life is a burden. You're completing tasks for other people and yourself. But with a vision, whatever you have to do. You know, even tonight, like in the natural, I have no desire to lead a senior's ministry after preaching 12 services. I'm not 55 or older. I don't know what people go through. I don't even know what my age group goes through. But then in my spirit, I'm excited to go there because I love those people. And it's something I'm building that's a major part of the church. And and the people I'm going to talk to tomorrow are great people. So it's an investment in my vision. It's not like I'm to speak to some group of 55-year-olds. There there are people God's knitted to me that care about me and I care about them. Vision brings joy. Vision brings joy. Without vision, you're going to struggle with joy. With vision, you're going to sing when they throw you in prison. That's what Paul did. That's what Pastor Rodney, I watched him do during, during the lockdown. When they arrested him and he went through all that. His vision kept him. He never had to take a sabbatical. People that weren't arrested were all taking sabbaticals. Oh, I just want to, we're going to be taking a sabbatical in 2020. I'm going to come back probably in October as your pastor. This has just been very hard. What? You, your church is closed. It's just been very hard on my wife and I doing one Facebook Live a week on breakfast that you can make um, during the lockdown and games you can play at home. It's really taken a toll on me psychologically. Yeah, you're not in the Green Berets. <laughs> Take it easy. But then the people that had vision and didn't quit on their vision... Even if they're in their seven, so you had 45-year-olds that needed a sabbatical because they quit on their vision, and you had 70-year-olds that never took one because they never quit on their vision. Because vision brings joy, and joy brings strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Lift your hands all over this place. I pray as your vision gets reignited today that you would never lack joy, and in never lacking joy, you'd never lack strength. From this day forward, the only tears you cry are tears of joy. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. All right, I close with this. So there's, the, there's all 20. Now, this is important. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. Everybody say, write the vision. Everybody say, make it plain. You read my dad's. You can't get any. I want to lead a million people to, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the, easy to understand. That's easy for an unbeliever to understand. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. So it's not just making it plain. It's reading it in a way that excites the person that read. You know, when we announced that we're going to start a church in Fort Worth October 1st, I think people clapped. How many minutes do you think people clapped and shouted for? If you had to guess. Four or five minutes, which doesn't sound like that long. That's a long time. Yeah, joy. And, and, and ladies hugging each other and jumping up and down. You should be announcing something that excites people. Make it plain that when the person reads it, they want to run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come to pass, it will not, it will not tarry. Amen. Everybody say this, despise not despise. the day of small beginnings. That's right, everything has to have a beginning, please. So I'm talking about getting, expanding and getting bigger. You should, but you've got to start somewhere. You don't start with 40 employees, and that's what people try to do. 
You know, I want to do all this. So I'm, I'm meeting with people. I'm going to try to get $4 million of capital and I'm trying to get 20, 20 people to come help me. When we announced we're starting a church in Fort Worth, we had no money committed to it. You know, you can't do it that way. I can't stand up and say, now listen, Fort Worth people. We're going to take an offering tonight. If it's over 2 million, then I'm going to start a church. If it's under 2 million, I'm not. The Bible, um, what was the scripture? I looked it up. I know where it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If the, the bugler must sound a clear call, anything that's in your vision of we may, but then if this doesn't happen, we may not, you will repel people and no one will come. The bugler has to, you know, how many of you heard that story when I talked about doing our first crusade in Philadelphia? Did you know this? The, the man that was in charge of city permits, he didn't raise the price first. He denied us. I'm shutting it down. You can't have a crusade there. Well, after I got 337 people to volunteer, and that was the first crusade I ever did. It's not like I've done 20 successfully and now this one failed. So it's like, oh, well, most of them come true. If my first one gets shut down, do you think I'm ever going to have 300 people volunteer to help me again? If I say, oh, sorry, hey, listen, we're 10 days out. The permit man said that the thing shut down, so sorry. Well, the next time I announce one, people, people might love me. But they can't, I can't take off, I'm not taking off work to go help him because last time, 10 days out, he said there's no crusade. So I made the determination I would rather get arrested than cancel. So I got a lawyer and fought it. We got the thing released, but I was in. I'm not, you have to be somebody that's in one direction that people know I can follow that guy. That guy's not going to lead me into battle and then see the soldiers and go, ah! If he says he's starting a church in Pittsburgh, he's starting a church in Pittsburgh. If he says he's starting one in Fort Worth, I, there's people moving now. We haven't even announced where the place is. They don't care. They know if I said it, I'm going to do it. And you have to be that as a leader. Look at all the pastors. And I bring up pastors a lot because that's my business. So I know my business. I don't know welding. I don't know welders. So I'm not trying to pick on pastors. But look at all the guys. How we know God's a healer, God's a protector. Then when COVID came, they shut the church down. And now they, they, they have next to nobody coming. Because people can't trust you. You talk healing and protection. Then, then you talk stay home, stay, save lives. True or false? So it's not that people don't like you or won't forgive you. They can't trust you. Because you're here one day and here another day. But if you stay right down the middle, you know what I believe. I don't even have to tell you who I'm going to vote for. Whenever the two presidential candidates come out, just from hearing me, I know, I know Jonathan's preaching for, or, or, or uh, voting for. I know him. I know what he believes. The bugler sounds a clear call. Amen. Uh, Habakkuk 2.4. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And I threw that verse in too, because I find it interesting that the just shall live by faith comes right at the heels of vision. Because vision forces you to stay in faith. I'll tell you what, if I'm ever going to backslide and stop fasting and praying and take my foot off the gas, it sure ain't going to be now when we're launching a second campus in another state. I need, to be, I need to be at my top in faith because I'm doing the biggest thing I've ever done. It's when you get lazy and no vision. When the season when the kings went to war, David stayed home and started looking and found the girl taking a bath on the roof. You have time for that then. But when you're in vision, the just have vision and the just live by faith. 
Can you say amen? amen? So here's how vision must function practically. Number one, vision must be written down. I've, I've hammered that into the ground today. Yeah. Write the vision down. That's why any ministry worth, that's especially traveling ministries, they write, they have newsletters. They're letting you know what God has laid on their heart, where they're going. I remember we, we get Jesse Duplantis's magazine. We're going to Europe. We weren't able to go for two years because of COVID. Now it's opened up. We're making a run through Europe. Pastor Rodney's announcing right now about his run through 10 countries in Africa for five and a half weeks. They're letting you know. They tell people what you're doing. And you know, telling people what you're doing forces you to be in faith about it because you'd rather just say, no, you know, we'll see whether we go to Africa or not. But when you start telling people now, you're, when the Lord told me, you know, I was trying to weasel out of it. I told people, I'm going to do one meeting a month in Fort Worth and we'll see what comes out of it. And that Friday morning, we could go today. Announce it today. No more diddling around. Tell the people what direction you're headed in. Number one, it needs to be written down. Adonis, where's your mic? I'd like you to add on on these points because you deal with this stuff directly more than I do. Written down. With the vision and, yeah, the importance of writing down. If you want to pass, you can pass, but... Kick in on some of these. Okay, I'll pass. Number two, number two, once you write it down, this was going to help you. You might get more help if you're a visionary. You might get more help from this next thing I'm going to say than anything I've said before or will say after. Starting a church in Fort Worth when you live in Pennsylvania and you're not moving is overwhelming in the natural. And when God gives you a vision, it's overwhelming. So number one, you write it down. Number two, break it down into achievable steps. Making a two and a half million dollar expansion to your business is too much for your head. But break it down to the steps. First, there's the acquisition of the land, which will cost this much. Then there's the clearing of the land, which will cost this much. Break it into achievable steps. Don't try to bite off the two and a half million at once. Just get moving. Write it down in achievable steps. Number three. And we've dealt with this enough. Make your vision attractive to other people. I'm not trying to make myself, there's other preachers that do it wrong and I do it right. But there is one thing I did even from a young man and a Dallas can vouch for it. When I would go preach at a church, I was always taking people somewhere. We were starting a church in Hawaii when I was 24. I had an invitation from the mayor of a town in one of the, a place in Hawaii that had no churches to please come and preach to our people back here where the original Hawaiians live. So I would show the video of that. So I wasn't just taking an offering to get to my next meeting. There was never, you know, I have a wife now and, you know, we have expenses just like you. No, no. There was always a vision of when you give, you're not paying for my American Airlines plane ticket. There's going to be a church in Hana, Maui that we built together. And my offerings were exponentially higher than other people who came to preach. Because they weren't, oh, you know, we have a baby and I mean, no diapers are expensive. That's not vision. Diapers are not vision. I'm talking to you, President Biden. (laughs) But there's a town in Hawaii that has no church. And the mayor heard about somebody who got healed of stage four cancer and has asked you to promise him that as long as he's the mayor, you'll come back every year and preach and build a church for his people. You see people at eyebrows go up and start getting their checkbooks out. Because my vision wasn't to get to my next meeting. My vision was to build something for the kingdom of God. Make your vision attractive to other people. Number four. Anything on a track? 
I, uh, just the emphasizing of your vision not being the need. Like Brother Jesse said, what's the verbiage that he used about need and vision? Jesse Duplantis has a great quote. Budgets cost you something. Vision brings you something. And if you're a minister, you should write that on a chalkboard somewhere 200 times like Bart Simpson until you get it through your skull. Because almost no one takes an offering that has anything to do with vision. It's always budgets. We're getting a new roof. You know, can you imagine the, how, how much less excitement there would be if the way I approached us building the church in Pittsburgh was that um, we need a roof. The roof's going to cost about 400000 and then there's the clearing of the land, which will be about $2 million. No, who cares? If you heard me announce the church that day in March, I never talked about how much stuff's going to cost. I said, this is going to be a place where teenagers that are confused about their gender are going to have an encounter with God and God's going to use them in the ministry. It's going to be a place where drug addicts, I'm just giving the example and people are clapping. It's going to be a place where drug addicts come and get delivered. It's going to be a place where broken marriages are whole, made whole by the Spirit of God. It's going to be a house that undoes what the devil wants done in this city. Talking about budgets costs you something. Talking about vision brings you something. That's Dr. Jesse Duplantis. Number, number four, develop a, fi- a working financial plan. Yes, you don't have what you need in the natural to get it, but what is your plan going forward? I'm going to give you an example. This is just an example. If someone comes up to me in the parking lot after I finish preaching, Jonathan, can I have $25,000? No. If someone came up to me and said, Jonathan... When you're preaching on vision, God gave me an idea. There's a vacant lot in Hobbs, and it has a building on it. And I, I talked to them, and they would lease to own. They liked that I was only 23 and had a, had a desire to get that to launch my business out of there. And they said, if I had 25000 down, they would give it to me. If you give me $25,000, i am going to open a business there. And within a year and a half, I'm going to type up an agreement where I'll pay you back 35000 for your 25000 I still would say no, but you're operating at a higher level. So I'm, I'm, and Christians, Christians are always just giving me money. That's not how financial plans work. You attract investors. There's something in it for the investor. Anybody ever watch Shark Tank? Yeah, they're not giving away money. What's in it for me? I want 20% of the company. I don't want to give you 20%. I'll give you 10%. Okay, then I'm not giving you 1 million. I'll give you half a million like that. So you have to learn how to talk the finance language in business. If you're going after investors, what's in it for them? You don't just go around and ask people for money. That's begging. Draw up a financial plan and don't have it uh, on, on white paper from your computer stapled in the corner. Pay the money to make it look like you're, you're doing something because God judges by the heart, but you're not dealing with God. Your investors aren't going to be God. Your investors, man, and man judges by the outward appearance. So get your logo. Get your profession. It's not expensive these days to, to get stuff printed up, a trifold brochure and all that, and get, get a good one. Yeah. It's worth the money. What do you have to add to that? Um, about looking the like looking sharp in the business, I think is and, de- and developing a financial plan. Uh, but, but if you want to talk about looking sharp, that's fine. No, develop a financial plan. Amen. What were you going to say about looking sharp? Uh, that I think that that's what makes it, that's what makes you or breaks you is the package that you present yourself in. So if you don't have the proper package, people are just going to completely dismiss you. And now with Fiverr, you can get a logo done specifically for your brand for five dollars from some kid in India. 
Do you know That's what I mean? True. So it's, there's like no excuse. You could do an Instagram. Tell them page. that website. Uh, Fiverr, F-I-V-R-R or something like that. No, what, what, what is it exactly? F-I-V-R or F-I-V-R-R? F-I-V-R-R, Fiverr. Any logo you need? If you need architect, if you get with the mic, if you, if you want to, um, if you want to get your architectural mock-ups made into like a computer design building with people walking in it to show off, they do all that stuff. And it, it, like she said, it's like a teenager in Sri Lanka or whoever. So you're not paying. I'm telling you the stuff that used to cost like 30,000. If you're an older business person that's here, you should reevaluate all the contracts that you have for graphic design and everything. My dad helped the ministry out and they were going bankrupt. And when he looked over their papers, they were paying a graphic designer $30,000 a month to do their mailings. That's what it cost in the 90s because you had to hire a professional graphic designing company. But now your, your nephew that's a junior in high school that has a MacBook Pro can do it. There it is. F-I-V-E-R-R. So you, you go what you're looking for. Website design, everything, logo design, everything. all services, voiceover work. You can get voiceover work for your podcast, so it's not your wife in the kitchen saying, and now my husband on today's podcast. You can get, you can get somebody with a British accent and a professional mic, and it makes a difference for like no money. So, so look back over your contracts. Things that used to cost 20000 a month cost like 200 bucks a month now. Can you say amen? One, two, three, four, financial plan. Number five, time frame. Don't just bite it off into pieces. Put a time frame up. I know I did. October 1st. <laughs> I don't know if we're able to get a building by that time. Well, you're going to have to figure it out because it's October 1st. <laughs> come up with a time frame and come up with a quick time frame. Don't drag stuff out. You lose credibility. If I was still talking about starting a church in Fort Worth two years from now and we hadn't had our first meeting yet, you're not credible. Move fast. Make your mistakes moving forward. What do you, what do you have to say about that, Ada? Developing a time frame. Uh, not, nothing. There stick, has, stick with it. Stick with the time There frame. has to come a time where you take it out of I'm praying about it and you have a, a projection and completion schedule. Time frame. October 1st, there's no praying about starting a church in Fort Worth. We can pray about it as we move. And you'll find that God respects that more than just, we're just praying and just believing that someone will give us a building and a worship leader and a youth pastor and the people will come. No, 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 no. That's all just fake disguise for inaction. There has to come a time where you take it out of the planning phase and into the moving phase. One, two, three, four, five, six. Bring it into reality. And I've already covered this. Stop planning, start doing. Plan, but there has to come a time where you stop planning and start doing. Because some people hide behind planning forever. You know, no one ever says, I quit. People just have like creative ways to never do the thing they were supposed to do. Amen. What do you have to add to that? Um, I, I think that a lot of people, especially Christians, are really good at the visionary aspect of it and having dreams, but no one has the blueprint for it. And with the vision, you have to get at the feet of Jesus to find the blueprint because the blueprint is integral for the execution. If you're not daily executing, then you're losing. And so that's what I think frustrates the people the most, people in general, 
is the fact that they don't see themselves fully engaged in what this dream or this vision is, but they've denied their responsibility to enact the execution every single day of their lives. And we go about being busy about everything else and we fill our time doing everything else that's like not hitting our target or not, you know, chipping away at the dream. And then 10 years down the road, we're frustrated. So you have to, you know, take the time every single day to chip away at the, those crucial, vital steps to, uh, you know, chip away at that vision. And Adonis would tell you, that's been my probably number one secret. And, and I think it's why the Lord entrusted me with more responsibility. There's nothing he tells me to do that isn't moved on. The Lord spoke to me about starting a church in Fort Worth on fr last Friday. I announced it Friday night. They were still making the video to announce it while I was preaching. My staff found out about it three hours before people found out about it. She found out about it three hours before people found out about it. When the Lord told me to start check the news, I broadcasted that night. So, it, like I said about making mistakes going forward, don't feel like you have to have everything figured out. You can figure a lot out as you move. And finally, number seven, have patience. You start a church, you're believing for, to hit a thousand people, you have the first Sunday, there's 23 people. Be patient. Despise not the day of small beginnings. For it delights the Lord to see the work begin. Don't stay in the beginning phase. I'm not getting, using patience as an excuse. If you're still at 23 people a year later, something's wrong. And something's wrong. Figure out what's wrong. Why aren't people coming? Don't blame the people. That's what pastors are the best at. Nobody wants to hear a strong word. No. Something's wrong. There's a pastor I'm going to have a chat with because I love him. His services are three and a half to four hours on Sunday. If you're Rodney Howard Brown, great. He ain't Rodney Howard Brown. He needs to knock it down to an hour 50, two, two hours tops. And you'll have people, you're driving people out. People, people, people come from Catholic backgrounds, Presbyterian backgrounds where church is 70 minutes. He can sit for four hours. You know, if someone has to shave while you're preaching, it's too long. If someone's celebrating a birthday in the back, it's too long. Several people have died while you were preaching that were young people when you began. <laughs> it's too long. So there's things that need to be adjusted, but people just keep doing the same thing and ramming a square peg in a round hole, and I just believe in God. No, 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 no. File the edges down and make it a circle. And watch how, how smooth it fits. Everybody say patience. I want you to give a closing thought for vision and visionaries of what... You know, especially since you've been with me from the ride where we were using an iPhone one and that was all we had and an 800 square foot apartment. And there's people sitting here that I'm sure might be doing a little better than that. But there's people that and I'm sure people are doing better than me that are sitting here. But for people that just you agree, I've been to meetings like this when I was in that stage. Yes, sir. I agree with everything you're saying. That's great. How in the world do I get to where I am with no help, no money, no equipment to, to see that vision come to pass? Um, I think it's important for you not to frustrate the vision. And then like um, Jesse Duplantis says, he talks about frustrating your faith by putting your faith in the future. Uh, you have the power to make changes from day to day. 
like every single day. And so you might not see it just like I've been working out and I still can't see my six pack, but it's under there. You know what I mean? Amen. Uh, but day to day, I'm chipping away at that stubborn fat. Hmm? It's ministering to somebody here. Uh, but I would be so stupid to, to think like I just started working out three weeks ago. I still haven't seen the six pack. You know, it would be stupid for me to do that. And oftentimes we give up and quit because we don't see the immediate results. But if you stick with it, if you chip away at it and you don't lose faith and you don't frustrate your faith by putting it out into the future, like that's my dream and that's where I want to go and nothing and bendito and I, you know, it's like let go of that. And understand that you have something to do today. And every single day, every one of us is given 24 hours. And I've said it a million times. But every one of us is given 24 hours. And our 24 hours looks a lot different than, than somebody out in the hood that just woke up. Huh? That, that, that doesn't have a plan for today. They're just going to like wing it. They're going to go to Sally's house and get high. And maybe they'll show up to work. You know, so it, it, it's, 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 it's very vital for you to live on purpose. You know, and I think that um, with believers, it's all ethereal. It's all happy clappy. But we negate the power of today and that simple step in the right direction. So just move in that direction and also enjoy it. Yes. Like, I don't understand why people get so at like up in a tizzy and frustrated about their lives and everybody's upset. I wish I could have more. I wish I could. You, you sit down and talk with everybody and everybody's freaking frustrated. One of the wonderful things about the life I share with my husband is that every step of the way we've enjoyed it and we've looked back and we've, we've, we've even thought to ourselves, like, we didn't have the money to go yeah, to that yeah, we restaurant. Were poor. We, we, we think now, like, man, we were poor. But at the time, we didn't realize we were poor. We were having fun. You just enjoy it. Like she said, we were thinking, what were we doing? Like, we'll go sit and eat at a restaurant now and think, we ate here when we were 24. What were we doing? We had no business being here. They should have thrown us out. We had to do stuff like that. Hey, we have $220 in the bank. Want to go to that restaurant that it's $180 for dinner? Sure. We'll have 40 left. We got plenty left over. Yeah. We just had fun. Yeah, that's good. You, 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 everybody say, have fun. Have fun. Have fun with your spouse. It's good. We don't have money to go on vacation. How much money does it cost to go to a state park? How much money does it go to a place where there's swings and push your daughter and order a, order a pizza in, on the table and eat? I've told you that story before that I took Camila to Disney World for the first time. It was a big deal, six grand or whatever. I might have had like seven grand to my name. And I spent all that money. And then our flight doesn't leave out of Tampa back to Pittsburgh till 8.30 p.m. So that day we checked out of our hotel. I took her to a park in Tampa. And I pushed her on the swings, had her go down the slide, ordered pizza in from a place. And we ate pizza on one of the park benches. And as the days winded to an end of the sunset, she goes... Thanks, Pa. This was my favorite day of all the days. Man, I wish you'd have told me that $6,000 ago. We got swing sets in Pittsburgh. But you know what I realized? It's not, it's not Mickey they want. They want you. So you just, you take them out. Play catch with your son and talk and that kind of stuff. And have a good time. And ice cream's not expensive. And even if you can't afford the ice cream, most of those ice cream trucks, the guy's not very strong. You can overpower him, take the ice cream. <laughs> Run off. They can't chase you. That thing only drives like eight miles an hour. 
You can hear it coming with that music. <laughs> I'm just throwing out some options. Well, you know, you, you go out for ice cream, go to the park, buy your house or whatever. You don't have to go to Disneyland or Dubai or whatever. I know you see all that on TV. Hey, let me tell you. Now I'm going to run stuff down. Have fun with your family. Have fun building it. Bite off attainable chunks of what you can do. What's the first step? Now, I'll give you this and then we'll pray. We started Revival Today Executives. RevivalToday.com slash RTX. The X is for executives. Revival Today Executives. Because whatever this lit a fire in you to do, whatever you're wondering specifically, what are the next steps? Adam Lamb, who is a great businessman, he's with me, and then he does the business coaching end of it. So whatever practical questions you have, I want to start selling used cars. And I'm not sure how many I'm allowed to sell without being licensed. Let me tell you that too. Don't intentionally keep your business small so you can fly under the radar. That's why you have to have integrity. You can pay people under the table when it's you and your brother and and your brother-in-law and and that stuff. But when your business starts growing, there's some people God keeps them small for their own benefit because the way they handle their money, if they ever became a big thing that was pulling people out of public school and funding private education against the will of the government, what's the first thing they look at? What's the, if they're going to investigate you, what's the first thing they look at? Taxes and money. So keep that stuff above board. I have a, I have a friend that I, I went to Bible college with. When I went to Canada to preach, I would declare, I'm going to this church, which sometimes got me pulled over and hassled. I have this product. I, I, I paid the money for the licensing to sell my CDs and Bibles and all that because Canada wants their, their taxes and their cut. They're a communist country. They don't want Bibles there anyway. So it would be a hard time. I'd have to get in a special lane, get pulled over, check my paperwork. He would hide his preaching CDs in his suitcase with his clothes. Tell him he's going to visit friends because technically the pastor was his friend. Well, today we're in two different levels. Because you can do that when you have a nobody ministry. If Benny Hinn's going to Toronto and he tells the board, I don't have any product. I'm going to see my friend. Hey, buddy, we saw your advertisements. There's billboards all over the city. Pull over, you liar. So there's a way you can operate. you got to be careful because you get around people in business. They I no one checks that. Yeah, for you because you're a chump. When you make 38, when your business makes 38,000 a year, no one checks. It's not worth the IRS's time. If they catch your mistake, they're only going to get 150 bucks and they have to pay the IRS accountant 600 bucks. So they won't come after you. But when you're taking in millions of dollars and they can catch one thing and get, get a million dollars and seize your building that they don't want to, they didn't ever wanted you to have in the first place. The first thing they go after is the money. Keep the money tight. Keep your money like you knew there was an FBI agent assigned to look over your stuff. I told Patrick, I said, you know, you see how I run my mouth on TV? You think, you think no, nobody wants to take me down that's in government? So I told him, I said, if the day comes where an FBI agent comes and says, you're being audited, we want your paperwork, you have till whatever day to have it. Say, oh no, I don't need till that day. Here it is. Have, a, have it ready. Well, you know, we have ourself internally audited by a great Jewish accounting firm out of Maryland. It's not a Christian. It's not looking to cut me slack. He's looking to crack down. So if anybody came at me, they, I have already put the screws to myself. If something's a gray area, I've told Patrick, if something's a gray area, keep me in the white. 
well, we don't know, you know, we, so no one's really said anything about, no, 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 I don't, I'm, not, I'm not living in there. I'm living where if some demon-possessed person made it their life's mission to take me down, all they can do is grit their teeth and make their gums bleed. Run your life like that. Have integrity in your marriage. Don't have some hoe on the side that can, that can ruin your whole business. Amen? Don't allow an open door for the devil to come and take you out. Anything you don't protect, you'll lose. But I prophesy in the name of Jesus, God's going to help you create wealth, and God's going to give you the wisdom to protect the wealth you've created. You're going to enjoy the remainder of your long life. You're going to have the most fruitful years you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, take a second. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Give the Lord a mighty shout. You're going to a high place in God. The devil won't be able to stop where you're going. In Jesus' name. Revival Today executives, I would encourage you because he'll do individual business coaching. What license do I need in New Mexico? He'll, he'll tell you, he'll send you the link of who, who he knows to talk to about that to get it done. It's like individual business coaching for free because we want people raised up in the body of Christ that have the wealth of the wicked. The wicked are sitting on your money. So, but somebody's got to take it out of their hands. You don't, you don't beat them up and take it out of their hands. You have the Lord give you ideas that has the business money funneling your way instead of their way. Don't tell me you can't outthink them. When they're drinking at night and on antidepressants, you've got a clear mind and you're praying in the Holy Ghost and you're getting ideas from God. They're doing all that under a curse and you're not under a curse. You're under a blessing. I expect to see you at the top in Jesus' name. I tell you, there's people watching me online right now and there's some people here. One day I'm going to land at a private airport and I'm going to walk into that place to go get my rental car and we're going to bump into each other. I say, what are you doing here? Oh, that's my citation out there that I'm taking. Oh, that's awesome. And we're going to greet each other. You know, when, when Pastor uh, had Brother Jesse in, what was it, earlier this year, I flew in to see him because I got kicked out of South Carolina. So I came over to my friends in New Mexico and I flew here. And we landed, and I said to the guy after I got off the plane, I said, is there a Falcon 900 landing right now? And he said, uh, no. And then in his earpiece, I heard, there's a Falcon 900 getting cleared for him. Oh, that's it. that must be him. So I waited there, and they had left me a car. So Pastor Dean was there to pick him up, but they actually had him land on the wrong part of the airport, which is where I was. So I, they, to, they told me he's going to pull right up to there. So I'm waiting there. They gave me their BMW to use. I'm standing out on the tarmac in a suit and a is standing there and I have uh, chips and salsa that's homemade from one of you guys and I'm eating it standing on a, a private runway and then he lands on his Falcon 900 and goes, goes Jonathan and I looked at the Dawson and I went this is different I feel like I'm in like some CIA movie eating chips and salsa on a private runway to meet my friend on a private jet let me tell you something you can get, you'll get there we're not different we both have heads and arms and chess were human beings created in the image of God. But somebody told you you can't. And the same people told me I can't. And I chose to disbelieve them. And I pray over the course of this week, I put something in you that the next time somebody tells you what you can't do, there'll be a fire in you that rises up that says, oh no, I'm going to the top, to the topmost top in Jesus' mighty name. Ever tell you that story? I walked onto a flight. This is back when I think it was before I was married. And I have to, I have a 13 hour flight to Hawaii 
I didn't feel like going. It was a long way I'd been preaching. And I got to sit in this little coach seat. So, you know, you have to walk through first class and everybody's sitting there with their newspaper and sneering at you. Look at their Potter faces. Can you close the curtain so I don't have to look at them? So I'm walking through looking at these people and it's irritating me. And then there's a gay couple sitting in one of the first class seats together. And I mumble under my breath to the Lord. I said, tell me what sense this makes. They're living to what your word calls sin, sitting in first class. And I'm going to help start a church for you. I want to sit and coach and arrive looking like the letter C in 13 hours. So explain that to me. And God explained it to me very quickly and strongly. I don't remember purchasing your ticket. You did. I didn't tell you to sit and coach. You bought a coach. You know why you're sitting in coach, Jonathan? You booked a coach ticket. I never told you to. Did an angel come to your room and say, thus saith the Lord, book a coach ticket. So people blame the devil and people blame God, but you're living where you want to live and you're living how you've chosen to live. And all I've done this week is put something in you to choose higher. And if you start setting your eyes up at a higher level, you're going to find that God, you don't have to talk him into helping you do it. He's been waiting to accommodate your better choices in Jesus' name. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stay with me, Adam. Revival Today executives. If you're watching online, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. And we've been marking them all week. Dream seed or vision or visionary. Because you're sowing, you're giving God a seed to work with to take you to the next level. Often what God puts on your heart to do, you don't have. A vision is beyond your current capacity. So God asks for a seed so he can take it, feed the multitude, and 12 baskets come back to you. What would be that seed for you? I want you to do that. If you're believing to go to a higher level, then sow a seed that will take you to that level. Revivaltoday.com, you click give now. Revivaltoday.com, you click give now. It has all the ways to give right there. They have more of them up on the screen. And I'll give you a second to do that online and I'll say thank you. Everyone that sows a seed this week of any size, I'm sending you my new book when it comes out in September, The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing, forward written by Dr. Jesse Duplantis. And then um, anyone that does 10,000 or more, I'm going to sign it and make it out to you as a way of saying thank you for helping us at a higher level as we go to build two churches at the same time. In Jesus' name. I'm glad we've preached enough vision. I wondered how my home church in Pittsburgh would react when I announced the Fort Worth church, because that's a lot to get your head around. Most people just assume you're leaving. But they, they cheered, it's like the Fort Worth people cheered. It doesn't, and the natural doesn't even have anything to do with them. So I'm glad we've preached enough vision into people that they understand it's not 1815. You can, you can do a lot. Amen? You can be in two places at once. Thanks to technology. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Tonight is the conclusion of the services. Crowd's grown every service, other than I think Wednesday it dipped because people go uh, to their home church, but it was way up last night. And I'm looking forward to see to closing with a blowout meeting tonight. Amen? You're a blessing. It's been a privilege to teach the Word of God to you in the morning and preach to you at night. And I'm not blowing smoke. If you'll take these things and run with it, you'll go higher than anybody ever thought you could go, including yourself. God, God, you'll, you'll be doing things in life where you look at your wife or your friend and go, man, this is different. 
Who'd have thought we'd ever get here? All that's available to you if you're interested. Say it one more time. I'm interested. There's going to be people here that have a street in Hobbs named after you. Because you own so much property, they let you choose the name of the street. Ortega Street. Smith Road. Where you can get West African and name it Bible stuff. Beulah Lamb Lane. Go to Nigeria. That place had such a revival. Every place. El Shaddai Bakery. Jehovah Jireh Barbershop. <laughs> I like that. Who's excited about their future? You should be. This is not false hope. I'm going to have my wife pray a prayer of blessing over you, and I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. I love you very much. God bless every one of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here. And I thank you, Father, for every seed that is being sowed. A hundredfold return before this year is up in the mighty name of Jesus. Of every dollar given to the kingdom of God and everything that money can't buy. Father, I thank you for blessing them. Overwhelming blessing belongs to every child of God. And Father, we enact our faith, release our seed, and... are joyful in doing so in the mighty name of jesus all god's children said amen thank you for sharing the jonathan shuttlesworth podcast if you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of jesus christ to our generation please visit revivaltoday.com and click on give now to become one of our monthly partners thank you in advance we hope to see you soon